We have today one of the best speakers that we have in our church. Our, our very own pastor, our very own Julie. Lord, let's just give her a blessing. Father, we just bless you in the name of Jesus, and we ask you just pour your wisdom all over her, anointing and grace. Let her mouth be filled with the words that you have for us to hear. And let us have open hearts to receive everything that you have from her for us. We bless you. We bless Julie in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Welcome, everybody. Um, Wasn't that amazing? I just love worshiping, and I love the words. So thank you, Miriam. Today, I kind of thought I'd talk about being crowned with favor, because we are. I've been thinking, though, how easy it is to forget who we are and what a privilege it is to be given a word from the Lord, a prophecy, or a prompt, or to do something from him, or just speaking, or healing. It's so easy to forget who we are. We're loved and we're trusted as heirs of the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. There is no greater honor than to be trusted by the Almighty to carry on his will on earth. I felt so humbled this week, being reminded of his love for us and his passion for us as his children. Yet I've also been reminded how easy it is to forget who we are in him, and how important a part we play in bringing his kingdom here to the earth. It's easy to discount ourselves. Now I'm going to read the story or part of the story of Jonah because it kind of fits in with what I'm saying. So, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amiti, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the, t- the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And so he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? 
for the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that the greatest tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they couldn't. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me, and then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me, weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bar closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was, was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and they put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne and laid down his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let every one turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster. And he said he would bring, that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not. Now, Jonah ran away. He was afraid. He thought they were going to kill him when he brought that, that message, because he was saying, you're evil, what you're doing is evil, God's going to destroy you. He thought they were going to kill him. 
yet he ran away in fear and was willing to die by being thrown into the sea. Isn't it amazing that when we let fear come in, how it can cause confusion in our life? How many of us have ever felt like that, worried that we should do something, but quickly it spirals into confusion? Should we? Shouldn't we? It's one of the reasons why it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, take captives your thoughts and make them obedient to Christ, because they can hinder us walking in what God wants us to do, his God-given purpose. I wonder how many times we felt the Lord prompt us to say something, to do something, to pray for someone, to step out in faith and take a risk, but we've hesitated and we thought, should I really do that? I could be really embarrassed. What if nothing happens when I pray? But what if something does? What if something does? When the Lord tells us to do something, it is for a reason. If he gives us a word of knowledge, it's for a reason. Look at what happened with Jonah. Because he brought the word of God, the Lord saved a whole city. But the funny thing is, Jonah was then angry because he knew that God was going to do that. And he felt foolish. He didn't see that because of his actions, a whole city of souls was saved. You see, God had a plan and a purpose for every person in that city. He didn't want to lose one. The Father God wanted to give them another chance. And when they repented, he forgave them. And that's what he does because he's gracious. And Jonah played a crucial part in that. The Lord had a, has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. And we also have a crucial role to fulfill. In 2 Timothy 6, it says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of, on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his purpose and grace. You see, nothing can stop you or me in his purpose, but we can. We can allow the enemy we can allow the lies of the enemy to come in and we can discount ourselves or like Jonah, run away in fear and hide just because we think we, we might be humiliated. There will often be something that stands in the way when the Lord tells us to do something. I don't know if you've realized that, but there will often be something that we've got to overcome. It might be our own pride but there will normally be something that stands in the way, which means we've got to take a risk and step out. And that's why it's called walking in faith. Because we're believing before seeing. We're believing that the Lord has told us to do that. And we're going to stand and believe that and not believe the enemy. We can't let our circumstances dictate what we are called to do or let it affect the outcome that the Lord has prepared for us and for the, the benefit of others. Just think if Jonah hadn't have bought that warning, a whole city would have been lost. 
all those souls would have been lost. We're meant to walk with the Lord in faith. Jesus didn't let anything stop him. He didn't let the Sabbath, the Pharisees, the law stop him going and healing a man who was paralyzed for 38 years. Nothing stood in his way because that was the day that that man was to get uh, freedom. There's a story in Mark 4 where Jesus was crossing the lake. It had been a really busy day and he'd fell asleep in the boat. And a storm came up, got really rough. And the disciples in the boat with him started panicking. Lord, Lord, we're going to drown. I think even my faith would have been better than that. (laughs) But he, he woke up and he said, he quietened the storm and he woke up and he said, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith in this? And that really does encourage me. Because they walked on the earth. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And still they had doubts. We are human. And that's okay. But we can stand up, dust ourselves off, and walk on and carry on. Just like Jonah, we can come back and we can say, okay, Lord, here I am. Anyway, back to the boat and the point of that story. Because when they reached the other side, what did Jesus do? He released a man who was demon-possessed. We don't read anything else. He went and released a man. That was his plan and purpose for that man. We're going to go all the way across. Yes, there was a storm, and nothing was going to stop Jesus doing that. Not a storm, not tiredness, not even the lake. Nothing. Nothing was going to stop him going to, to fulfill his purpose. That man received his freedom that day. And the Lord's timing is always perfect. So if you're waiting for your blessing, it is on the way. It is on the way and it will come. The Lord knows when it's best to bring that. And when he speaks, we can trust him because he never gets it wrong. So let's not spend time or energy trying to talk ourselves out of it. When he tells us to do something. Well, Lord, you know, a bit tired tonight, really tired. I don't want to make that phone call. don't want to encourage someone tonight. I'm really tired. I'm not feeling it, Lord. I do that. I do. I'll be honest. Hands up. I'm not feeling it, Lord. I'm so tired. Let's not discount ourselves. Yeah? Jesus was asleep on the boat. He was exhausted. But he did what he had to do. Nothing stopped him. When Samuel... Oh, by the way, there will often be someone else who will actually discount us. So let's not join in with them, okay? For instance, when Samuel, Samuel was told to appoint Saul king um, because the, the people wanted a king to lord over them and lead them, some of the men who actually accompanied Saul were actually saying, how can this fella help us? They'd prayed, they'd asked for someone to lead them. They'd been appointed a king. They knew it was from God and they still said, What's he going to do? How's he going to help? A similar thing happened with Samuel when he came to anoint David king. Even Samuel looked at the brothers. He saw the statue of one of them and thought, wow, got to be him. The Lord said, no. And it's nice what the Lord says. He says, I don't look at the outward appearance like man. I look at the heart. Yeah. So even David's father didn't think to introduce David, did he? He showed all of his other sons, and Samuel said, no, it's none of those. Have you got another son? Oh, 
I've got Joseph, but he's looking after the sheep back there in the field. Even the words are dismissive. Yeah? We can't let other people dismiss us. When we've heard from the Lord, when we are saved, we are his child. When the Lord assigns someone or something for us to do, nothing will change that. Because it is to bring blessing and freedom and ultimately glory to God. Look at Noah. He's a fantastic example, you know, listening to God with all the unbelievers around. Can you imagine? It took years, and I've been looking how long it could have taken. And actually, it was many, many, many years to build the ark. They must have laughed at him. They must have thought, what on earth is going on? You know, what are you doing, Noah? What are you doing? What a waste of wood. You know, we could be using that in the fireplace and cooking. What are you doing with all that? You could be helping the poor. You can just imagine some of the rubbish that was being told to him. But he persevered through it all. I spoke the other week. Um, Sorry, I've lost my place. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I spoke about this the other week. But I do feel we're quite often asked to do something very unusual to get that blessing, like Noah, you know, go and build an ark, you know, or Jonah, go there and do this. But one of the very unusual stories that came to mind when I was writing this was in 1 Kings. Elijah was hungry and thirsty, and the Lord sends him to a widow's house in Zarephath. But when he gets there, he asks for some bread, and she responds, but I've only got a handful of flour and a little bit of oil left, and I was, I was going to make some bread for my son and I because we're going to starve, basically. There's nothing left. This is it. We're preparing to die. And he says, don't worry, make me some first and then it'll all be okay. Can you imagine the faith that that must have took? He must have heard God so clearly. Because can you imagine going to a homeless person and saying, can I have that? It's the same thing, isn't it? It takes faith. But when God has spoken, there is a blessing. And we play a role in that. And we have to go past what other people are saying or what we feel. We have to stay in the Lord's arena, let's say. We have to actually listen to what God says. I wonder also what the the widow was thinking when Elijah actually asked her. But she did obey. And it was a very unusual request to give her very last remaining bit of food. Now, remember, this is her son. How would you feel? You had one little bit left. And God sends someone and says, um, actually, the Lord said, give me that first. How many of us would be able to do that? But she did. She obeyed. And look what happened. Her oil, her flour did not run out. There was a severe drought, but it did not run out until the rains come. And I'm assuming something else then carried on there. So when we step into the Lord's blessing, we also bless others. But sometimes it can be really unusual what we're asked to do. But the glory will go to God. And it's a win-win situation. We're blessed. We bless others. So the point of my message today is we can easily forget the privilege and honor and blessing it is to be asked to do something by an almighty God, a creator of the universe. It's so easy to think... Sure, I heard that, but actually, that's going to be embarrassing. Hang on a minute. This is God. 
God has asked you to do something? Oh my gosh, I just want to be on my knees and say, please God, ask me to do more stuff. Please take me further, take me deeper. Please let my trust be built. This is God, guys. This is the Lord God Almighty Creator. If he asks us to do something, how wonderful. What a privilege. So, I'd like to think, us to think this morning. Has the Lord asked you to do anything? If so, have you done it yet? Many years ago, I, I heard someone say, if you, hadn't, if you haven't heard from the Lord recently, what was the last thing he asked you to do? And have you done it? Because when you do, just like Jonah, he'll give you the next step. He'll take you further. So, I just want to remind us this morning, we are loved more than we can imagine. We are blessed more than we can hope for. And we are crowned with favor just because he wants to. He knows what we're capable of. He knows the treasure inside of us. And he's the only one who can draw it out. We can't see it, but he can. He will never ask us to do something we're not capable of. But he wants to take us deeper. He wants to take each one of you deeper. Let's never miss out because it feels scary or because it feels easier to ignore or run away like Jonah or discount ourselves, or listen to somebody else. If you've got three people saying, no, you must have got that wrong, it's really difficult. But if God is telling you, and I prefer to listen to God, our Father in heaven will never discount us. Proverbs 22.4 says, Humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. Let's remind ourselves again what a privilege it is to be called sons and daughters of the living God. And to end us off, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. Shall we pray? Lord, we just lift your name. And Father, we say, help us hear more clearly. Help take us more deeply. Father, we love you. We love what you've done for us. We give you thanks and honor and glory. And Lord, I just ask for every single person here for a fresh touch of your anointing. I just pray, Lord, touch everyone. Let everyone move from this building today knowing that they know that they know that you have spoken to them again, that you have touched them again, that you are taking them deeper, that you are giving them something, Father, to do, but you are holding their hand while they do it. In Jesus' name, amen.